Hey, veterans. Welcome to the VA Claims Insider Podcast. We are veterans helping veterans get the VA disability rating and compensation you deserve. I'm your host, Air Force Service Disabled Veteran Brian Reese, and each week we share VA disability claim tips, tricks, strategies, and lessons learned to help you win, service connect, and get rated at the appropriate level, even if you've already filed or been denied. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode. What's up, vets? Brian Reese here, the VA Claims Insider, coming at you live from Austin, Texas. Uh, welcome to today's video, guys, where I'm talking about how you can win your VA disability claim with lay evidence. Okay, now I don't wanna scare anybody. Lay evidence is simply a fancy legal term. That means after the fact evidence. Okay, so welcome folks joining live. Hopefully y'all can hear me okay. Uh, feel free to jump in. And by the way, I'm gonna be doing some Q&A at the end of today's uh, live video session. So feel free to drop uh, your comments here. I also have some team members joining me, so they're gonna be uh, jumping on too. So what's up, Joey? Hey, Antonio. Uh, welcome vets joining us from, uh, from inside the U.S. or around the world. I'm happy that, uh, that you're here to chat with us today. Um, again, we go live. VA Claims Insider, one of our awesome team members, goes live every Tuesday at 12 o'clock p.m. Central here on this page. Um, and I go live every Wednesday at 11 o'clock a.m. Central time. Uh, sometimes folks substitute and stuff like that, but uh, we try to keep pretty consistent for you guys. So again, if you have questions, comments, concerns, please drop them here below. If you're watching on YouTube, you can comment below. I'll try to answer you. Uh, if you're joining us live here on Facebook, uh, drop your comment there and we'll try to, uh, to answer your question. So, okay, before I start talking about lay evidence, okay, in the concepts of competency, credibility, um, competent medical evidence, competent lay evidence, I'm gonna get to all those terms. Um, and you may need to watch this video more than once, by the way, which is why I'm gonna post it on YouTube so that you can go back and watch the replay. Okay, I don't want you to get confused by this. So I think the easiest place for me to start is to talk again about the three criterion you need to prove your VA disability claim under the law. Okay, everything we're talking about, guys, is governed by law. Quick legal disclaimer today, these are my opinions. This is not medical or legal advice, okay? I'm not an attorney. I'm not an accredited agent. Now, nobody on our team is. So um, these are our opinions, okay, based on, on what we've seen and the research we've done in our experience and our expertise, okay? So a little caveat there. Um, all right, the three things under the law. So in order to be eligible, guys, for VA disability compensation and a VA disability, you have to show three things. The first thing is you must have a medical diagnosis of a condition, okay? That needs to be in either your service treatment records, so things from active duty. That needs to be in VA medical records, okay, if you're seeking treatment today or any private records, okay? It can be in any of those three places, but the basic concept here, two things, you must have a diagnosis of a condition and it must be on a medical record, okay? It can't just be your opinion, okay? And by the way, lay evidence from a lay person, somebody who's not a trained, certified, credentialed medical professional, they're not gonna be able to write a medical statement to prove that you have a disability condition, 
Okay, the VA Raider, uh, especially if this even went to appeal, they would toss that argument out because they would say this, this is a layperson attempting to write a competent medical statement for which that person lacks the education, training, experience. You're not a doctor, okay? So you can't diagnose conditions, okay? Only a trained medical professional can. So if you're hearing my voice right now and you're like, you know what, Brian, I think I have obstructive sleep apnea. I think I have post-traumatic stress disorder. I think I have a lumbar strain in your back. I think I've got migraine headaches, okay? Go to the doctor. If you don't have a medical diagnosis, guys, in some type of medical record, I can 100% guarantee you your VA disability claim is going to get denied because you don't even pass the first part of the three-part test under the law. Do you have a medical diagnosis of a condition? Okay, so if you've been sitting on the fence, you've heard me say this before, I'm going to keep saying it, get your butt to the doctor, pick up the phone, call your VA primary care doctor, make an appointment, Okay, you can also go to an urgent care facility if you have uh, major issues going on. Um, you can also go to any other private doctor. Okay, if you have private insurance, maybe you take advantage of the new VA Mission Act, you get referred uh, somewhere to a private provider, but you have to have the medical diagnosis. Okay, that's the first part. If you do have a medical diagnosis, then the VA is going to go to the second and third parts of the law, which is mainly what we're going to focus on today. Okay, with lay evidence proving your disabilities. The second part of the law, guys, is a disability must have been caused or made worse by your active duty service. Okay, made worse refers to aggravation. Okay, so caused or made worse by your service. That is what's legally referred to as the nexus. Okay, again, if you've ever logged into eBenefits or VA.gov or you've received a VA decision letter where they've denied certain disabilities, more likely than not, this is what's happened, okay? The VA has said not service-connected because even though you have the disability or condition, you couldn't prove, okay, on an at least as likely as not basis, which means 50-50 weighting, benefit of the doubt doctrine, tie goes to the veteran. You couldn't prove to the VA that your disability was caused or made worse by your service. Now we know guys as fellow veterans that this is crap. The, some of the, the rating decision letters guys and the denials are absolute garbage. Okay, and I can, I can literally read the denial right now. I, I can read it to you verbatim. This is what it's gonna say from the VA Raider, who by the way is simply following a process. They're doing their job. Um, they're gonna state there's no evidence in the veteran's active duty service treatment records of the disability or condition, okay? And there are no subjective complaints of that condition in the veteran service treatment records. So service connection is denied. Okay, that's what they're gonna say. But there's hope here. And that's what we're talking about today. It's how to win your claim with lay evidence. And what I'm really talking about is how you can use competent and credible lay evidence from a buddy, a spouse, a coworker, um, to actually show how a disability was caused or made worse by your service, so you can prove service connection, okay? Or the third part of the law, which is the severity of your symptoms, okay? So if you're successful in showing, number one, yes, I have a medical diagnosis, 
Number two, yes, I can prove service connection, okay? Then it goes on to the third part of the law, which is how bad are your symptoms? Because ultimately, guys, the severity of your symptoms in part three of the test determines your overall rating under the law, okay? So if you're, if you're hearing my voice, you're rated at 10% for PTSD, or you're rated at 0% for hearing loss, okay? Um, or you were given 0% for plantar fasciitis. The VAs determine that, yes, you've got a diagnosis, yes, it's service-connected, but your symptoms are not severe enough to warrant the higher rating. Okay, so again, you're going to need new and relevant medical evidence or personal statements, lay evidence, both, to show that your symptoms are worse and meet the higher criteria. Okay, now that's also what disability benefit questionnaires help you do, which is what we do, um, and medical nexus opinions. Okay, so an independent medical opinion will help you service-connect a disability. A disability benefit questionnaire uh, will help you prove symptoms, okay, diagnosis and symptoms to ultimately get you the rating you deserve, okay, which, by the way, if you need some help, that's what we do, okay? Quick caveat, we're not accredited agents. We're not VSOs. We're not attorneys, okay? We don't prepare or file your disability claims for you guys. That's against the law. It's against federal law. It's codified in 38 CFR, okay? You can go look it up. Um, we don't do those things. Why? Because we're not allowed to, okay? What we do, though, and the missing link for veterans is medical evidence. That's absolutely crucial. Medical evidence, guys, is the key to winning your VA disability claims, getting things service-connected, and getting rated at the appropriate level. Okay, so if you need DBQs and Nexus letters and you can't get them from your doctors because they won't write them, okay, um, or heaven forbid, you go to a doctor and you ask them to do a medical opinion, they have no idea what you're talking about, which is more likely the case, so they're going to screw it up. Um, if you can't get help, guys, that's what VA Claims Insider does. Okay, we're going to help you get dbqs and medical nexus opinions so you can win service connect and get rated at the appropriate level and by the way you're going to get seventy five hundred dollars worth of bonuses for free when you join our elite membership program guys and by the way on top of the elite membership program you're getting access to something called the elite experience portal the eep $7,500, guys, uh, worth of resources inside that portal. You're going to get access to it today. There's how-to guides, training videos, quick hit stuff, specialized claims knowledge, real example templates, statements, buddy letters, all kinds of stuff to help you guys, okay? Again, you can join us at vaclaimsinsiderelite.com, okay? Again, you can go to www.vaclaimsinsiderelite.com elite.com you can sign up for free today and get $7,500 worth of bonuses okay all right so we talked about the three things under the law medical diagnosis was it caused or made worse by your active duty service um, and how bad are your symptoms do you have current persistent uh, and recurring symptoms into the present day of the disability all right so now let's talk about lay evidence it must be competent and it must be credible I want to talk about, I'm just going to share four examples, okay? Now, I jotted these down in a blog post, but I'm going to read you these examples because I didn't want to miss them because a lot of vets, I think, you hear lay evidence and you get scared because that's a fancy legal term, okay? Lay evidence, guys, simply means 
after the fact evidence. Lay evidence is after the fact evidence. Okay, so let me read a couple things here of what these are. A personal statement that you write, you personally wrote on the VA Form 21-4138 Statement in Support of Claim, documenting how you believe that your current non-combat post-traumatic stress disorder was due to an in-service sexual assault, an MST situation that occurred 20 years ago, is lay evidence, okay? After the fact evidence, competent and credible, written by you on a statement, okay? Statement in support of claim. That's lay evidence. A buddy letter written on that same form, the VA form 21-4138, by somebody you served with on active duty who was there during an incident in training where you separated your shoulder, okay? That person is writing it as a competent, credible lay person who has direct firsthand knowledge of your shoulder separation that occurred on active duty during a training incident. That statement is lay evidence, okay? That statement is after the fact evidence, lay evidence. A letter written by your spouse on the VA Form 21-4138, who documents that she witnessed, he or she witnessed, your obstructive sleep apnea symptoms while on active duty 20 years ago. Hey, my spouse had trouble breathing. He was tired all the time. He snored loudly. Um, there were times when he stopped breathing, aka he had these apneic episodes while on active duty. Um, in 1992, okay, is when it began after his deployment to whatever, Desert Storm, Desert Shield, um, they signed their name. That is lay evidence, okay, because it's somebody, a competent, credible lay person, your spouse, who's over 18 years old, documenting what they witnessed. First-hand witness testimony, guys, that your sleep apnea was due to your service, that you had it on, in service, even though it wasn't diagnosed until years later, okay? That's lay evidence. And the last example here is, let's say your boss in your current job, okay, you left the service 30 years ago, um, and now you're working, let's say you're a, a teacher, and your boss writes a statement on your behalf on the severity of your migraine headaches, okay? Hey, I witnessed this veteran, I'm his boss, uh, he calls in sick all the time due to his headaches. I know that he has to lay down. He's had numerous cancellations. He's missed X number of days of work, which has impacted his ability to teach and our ability to teach our students, okay? Statements from a boss, that would be considered competent and credible because, credible because that person has firsthand knowledge of your symptoms, okay? So those are all examples, guys, of lay evidence. Lay evidence are powerful, they're very powerful statements, guys, because it can help you prove service connection, aka the timing of when a particular disability or symptom or condition began in service, okay? Um, and then it can also help you prove the severity of symptoms, okay? So it's maybe a spouse or a coworker or a priest or somebody writes a competent, credible lay statement supporting your symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. Okay, and how they're worse and how you're having trouble in relationships and you don't go to church anymore and you don't hunt anymore and you're having 
uh, relationship problems. You got divorced. Okay, you're having panic attacks all the time. You're depressed. Okay, I know this stuff, guys, because I live it. I live post-traumatic stress disorder and cyclothymia. I understand what we go through. Okay, I get it. I'm you know this guy behind a camera sometimes, uh, but you don't necessarily see the dark side. Okay, you don't see some of the things that I deal with on a daily basis. And that's very true for a lot of veterans, okay? Veterans are very good at hiding symptoms. We're very good at it. And so, um, you know, I guess I would just tell you, be honest, be as honest and be as open as you can. Guys, if you're struggling with mental health, by the way, please pick up the phone, call the VA Mental Health Center nearest you, get an appointment, go to a vet center, guys, it's best to get this stuff out there, out in the open, um, especially if it's been years since you've talked about it, okay? That's my, my veteran kick in the butt for you there, guys, okay? So let's talk, though, about the competency and the credibility for a second. I think it's important to distinguish what those things mean, and I also think that one of the easiest ways to explain those concepts is to talk about when it's not competent and credible, Okay? If you have your 10-year-old son write a statement on the VA 214138 statement in support of a claim, and you literally have your 10-year-old son document how severe your PTSD symptoms are, okay, and then your 10-year-old son signs and dates their name, that statement would be tossed out, meaning it would not be competent and it would not be credible, okay? Why? Because your 10-year-old son is not a legal adult, okay? He's not 18 years of age or older. He wouldn't be considered competent and credible to shed light on your PTSD symptoms, okay? So that evidence would be provided a very low value. In fact, it's likely to just be not considered at all, okay? So a person must be 18 years of age or older. There's all kinds of discussion on competency, meaning is this person of sound mind and nature and blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to go into that because the law is going to dictate that they're going to be deemed competent and credible if they're 18 years of age or older and they wrote the statement on your behalf, okay? Now, I do want to talk, though, about credibility for a second. If somebody writes a statement in support of a claim documenting how they believed that your shoulder separation occurred during a training accident on active duty, okay? But that person wasn't there. They didn't witness it happen, okay? That statement then lacks credibility, okay? Because you weren't there. The person didn't have firsthand witness, firsthand knowledge of the shoulder separation occur on active duty. So how can they offer their opinion that it did? They weren't there. Okay, so that's an important concept as well. So if somebody wrote a statement saying they believe this is true because blah, 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 but they didn't say or express that they witnessed it happen, that statement lacks credibility. It's not likely to help you. Okay, so competency, credibility, 18 years of age or older, somebody who has direct firsthand witness and knowledge of the disability or condition. Okay, it's very, very important, guys. This is why buddy statements from fellow service members are so powerful, okay? Absolutely powerful, especially if that person saw it happen. Especially important, guys, in sleep apnea cases, post-traumatic stress disorder, non-combat situations, if you're trying to prove the stressor. 
Um, stuff from spouses are very powerful too. Um, if you were together or married during that time period when you served on active duty. Okay. So very, very important there, guys. Now I want to highlight one other concept here before we take some questions. Lay evidence by a lay person is not the same as a DBQ or an independent medical opinion, a medical nexus letter from a trained certified credentialed medical professional. Those are two different things, okay? Now there's a dirty secret buried in M21-1, okay? Which is the VA Raider Manual, the VA Adjudication Procedures Manual. That's what VA Raiders and VSRs use and follow to determine your disabilities, okay? There's a dirty secret and I wanna read it to you. I wrote it down because I didn't wanna miss it, okay? So here it is. A medically untrained individual is not usually competent to offer a medical opinion regarding the etiology of disorders. And such an opinion is generally assigned little probative weight. What that means, guys, is if you have somebody trying to help you document a medical diagnosis, a service connection issue from a medical standpoint, or severity of symptoms from a medical standpoint, it has to come from a medical professional. Because if it isn't, it's not considered competent medical evidence. Yes, it's a lay statement, okay, but it's not competent medical evidence, okay? So here's the whammy right here, okay? Um, blah, 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 blah. For more information on lay evidence, lay evidence support of probative value. Okay, this is actually in M21-1. Again, I wrote it down because I didn't want to miss it. Medical evidence of a link to a current condition is still needed to establish service connection. There's the whammy, guys. That is the reason why I founded VA Claims Insider. Veterans don't have enough medical evidence because you didn't go to the doctor enough while you were on active duty. So the VA, 20, 30, 50 years later, denies the claim saying not service connected because they couldn't find anything in your active records that pointed to the diagnosis of the disability condition, even subjective complaints. Okay, that's their denial. I can literally read it to you verbatim. What you need then is a medical nexus letter written by a trained, certified, and credentialed medical professional, okay, who can shed some light on the likelihood that your current disability or condition is due to your service, okay? That's what a medical nexus letter helps you do is it helps you prove service connection. Now, lay evidence, even if it's competent and credible from an individual, if they're not a trained and certified medical professional, okay, you're gonna, you still need a nexus. You still need something from a doctor that says it's at least as likely as not that David's obstructive sleep apnea is due to their current service-connected PTSD. Here's why, right? Listing case law, referencing medical research studies. Okay, there has to be um, some type of medical opinion and etiology as to the linkage. That's the service connection piece, guys, that a lot of veterans miss. That's what we do. Okay, so if you need an independent medical opinion, you need a medical nexus letter, you need more medical evidence, you need a disability benefit questionnaire, that's what we do. Okay, 7,500 bucks were the bonuses, guys. You can go to vaclaimsinsiderelite.com. Okay, again, you can go to www.vaclaimsinsiderelite.com.
Elite.com. Okay, we can help you guys today inside of Elite. Okay, so we talked about competent and credible lay evidence. We talked about the difference between competent medical evidence uh, and lay evidence, okay, from people who are not trained and certified medical professionals, but they can still help document approximate time frames of when an incident occurred, what they witnessed, and your symptoms, okay, which can help you prove service connection and then get rated at the appropriate level. Okay, guys, so here's what I'm going to do now. Um, I'm going to do some Q&A. So feel free to jump in here and drop your questions, okay, if you're watching on Facebook. If you're watching on YouTube after the fact, you can still drop your questions in the comments below, and I will try to answer it, okay? Now, just understand, we get thousands of questions and comments every week, so we simply can't answer everybody, um, but we try, okay? So please keep trying. Uh, I'm going to scroll through some questions here, so feel free to drop some questions, guys. Uh, What's up, Joey? Hey, Antonio. What's up, Moosey? Moosey wrote, thank you. You are a blessing. Look forward to working with you. Thanks, brother. What's up, David? Hey, Juan. Hey, Simon. What's up, Maria? Um, James wrote, then why are you charging people thousands of dollars a month? Um, I'm not sure where that's coming from, James. It might be some confusion. Uh, We definitely do not charge people thousands of dollars a month. Um, In fact, there are no upfront fees to our elite program. Uh, I do have a program called VA Claims Insider Mastery which is a one-time payment. You can join for a 50% discount of $9.97, okay? That's my self-paced online course, okay? So that's completely independent. You're on your own. It has all of our uh, research, training, guides, quick hit videos, and information to help you file and win your own disability claim. Okay, that's VA Claims Insider Mastery, okay? Uh, But we don't have any programs that charge veterans thousands of dollars per month Um, We do get a commission if and only if we win your claim uh, inside of Elite, okay? A couple of distinctions, though, is you, as the veteran, have to file your own claim, okay? You have to prepare and file your own claim um, or work with an accredited agent, a VSO, uh, an accredited attorney, um, or an accredited agent, okay? Because it's against the law to prepare, uh, present, and prosecute claims for veterans, okay? So if anybody's doing that, by the way, if they're charging you money to file disability claims, they're violating federal law, okay? So don't get caught in that, in that mix-up. Um, Don wrote, <clears throat> Brian, how much detail and length for the spousal letter? My wife has problem talking bad about me. Sure. So um, here's what we recommend. And by the way, Don, we've got a ton of resources online. Go to vaclaimsinsider.com. You can read our blog. If you scroll to the bottom and click blog, uh, where we publish new content um, daily, there's also a frequently asked questions page there where you can search by topic. Um, spousal letters, okay, again, that would be considered competent and credible lay evidence. They can be a page, all right? They can be a couple of paragraphs. You want to talk about a few things, though, four things. Number one, you want your spouse to document the disability or condition that you're filing for. So if it's plantar fasciitis, a foot problem, in part one, she needs to state uh, diagnosis, plantar fasciitis, moderate, right, or severe, unilateral or bilateral. In the next section, in a paragraph or less, um, she needs to talk about how your disability was caused or made worse by your service. Give that approximate information. Hey, I've been married to Don for the last 25 years. 
his plantar fasciitis, obstructive sleep apnea, PTSD, began approximately January 1977, right, after Vietnam. And here's how I think that, here's what I witnessed, right, and then here's his symptoms, right? So in that third part then, she needs to document your symptoms. How bad are those things limiting or affecting your life today, okay? And then they're gonna sign and date their name and swear, um, to the best of your knowledge and belief, okay? I'm sorry about swearing. It's not a sworn statement. A statement in support of a claim is not the same as a sworn declaration. They're declaring to the best of their knowledge and belief, okay? So Don, hopefully that answers it. It can be a page. Um, try to have at least three to four sentences per section, and that's it. That's all it needs to be, okay? What's up, Richard? Hey, Miguel. Hey, Blaze. Uh, Antonio wrote, Brian, can my family doctor write a nexus letter and a DBQ acceptable to VA for an ankle injury that occurred in service? Absolutely. Um, so a, a couple quick things here, though, Antonio, is yes, you can. However, I think you also still need at least a buddy statement from somebody who was a firsthand witness who can talk about how your ankle injury was incurred in service, and here's why. While your family doctor is going to be able to write an independent medical opinion on the likelihood that your ankle injury was due to service, the VA Raider is unlikely to assign a very high credibility to that nexus statement linking your ankle injury to your service unless your ankle injury is well documented in the medical record, okay? If it's not documented well in the medical record, the VA Raider and the Compensation and Pension Examiner are not likely going to weight the evidence of the private provider very highly because that person does not have firsthand knowledge of when or how your ankle injury occurred. Okay, so while they are qualified to write the medical opinion, okay, without a buddy letter from somebody who can substantiate first-hand witness testimony that, hey, in March of 1997, Antonio injured his ankle on a ruck run. Without that information, you're likely still going to get denied, okay? So I think you need both. But yes, your family doctor can write an excess letter. They can complete the DBQ. DBQ for ankles and foot conditions. There's going to be some range of motion tests there, so make sure that, uh, that they do that using the goniometer, okay, which is that little caliper measuring device. Um, but absolutely guys, if you can get your own doctors to do medical nexus letters and DBQs for you, awesome. That's great. Take advantage. Um, Emmanuel, in your cases, has OSA been approved secondary to PTSD? Yes, absolutely. So a couple things I want you to do, Emmanuel, and anybody listening, you can go to vaclaimsinsider.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, click blog. Okay. You can also just search. OSA secondary to PTSD, okay? You can also go to the frequently asked questions link at the bottom of vaclaimsinsider.com, search OSA secondary to PTSD. I wrote an article called um, Obstructive Sleep Apnea Secondary to PTSD. It's time to start thinking outside the box, okay? And here's why I say that. A lot of veterans try to link obstructive sleep apnea secondary to post-traumatic stress disorder. Here's my take. I think 50% of the time you'll be successful, 50% of the time you won't, assuming you get a medical nexus letter. And here's why. 
Because the medical research, guys, is loose at best in claiming that OSA can be caused or made worse by PTSD, okay? Very, very limited research studies supporting that. Um, there are some concepts that talk about limitation of REM sleep and how it can lead to OSA and apnea episodes, but it sort of comes down to the compensation and pension examiner's stance on the issue, where, what they believe. Um, and then the VA Raider. Where we've seen veterans be successful, Emmanuel, is if they have a DBQ and a nexus opinion, and there's a secondary linkage due to aggravation due to something else. Okay, so there's another step linking OSA to PTSD. So let me give you an example. Obstructive sleep apnea is very likely due to weight gain, okay, obesity. So instead of claiming that your OSA was due to your PTSD, okay, which is not likely, okay, it's possible, but again, the medical research is not, not great. <clears throat> instead, you make an interim linkage by claiming that your OSA was due to your weight gain, okay, or your obesity, and the obesity, the weight gain, is due to the side effects of medication that you're taking for PTSD, okay? SSRIs, antidepressants, very commonly, the side effects of those guys are weight gain because they make you hungry, okay? They make you eat all the time. You don't feel full. Um, so that's an interim linkage, an interim step of connecting your OSA secondary to your PTSD. I think you have a lot higher chance of getting it approved if you go that route versus just claiming that you believe your OSA is due to your PTSD, okay? All right, uh, Morris, wife loves your stream and she talks, she hasn't forgotten. Oh, thank you, Morris, I appreciate that. Appreciate hearing that. Um, your message on Messenger, thank you, Brian, got it. Can I use my ADAPT-C fail? I'm not quite sure what the question is, but as if you could post that again. We did have a great fourth. Um, thank you. I was diagnosed with CPAP. Okay, great. I've also gained weight. Okay, perfect. So we were just talking about the OSA secondary to PTSD. Weight gain is a great um, linkage, right? Because that's very well documented. Very, very common. I think up to like a 70% correlation. Weight gain, obesity, um, when your body mass index, your BMI goes above a certain level, very, very likely then that that can cause OSA, okay? Causes issue with the throat, causes it to relax, tonsils go back, you have more apneic episodes, you now have OSA due to your weight gain, okay? Um, Anthony, can you say it's secondary to obesity with respect to chronic pain and back injuries? Possibly. You possibly can, right? I mean, you've heard me talk about secondary disabilities a lot. Um, secondary disabilities, guys, can be caused or made worse by almost anything in the human body, right? Left side of your body affects right side of your body. Right side of your body affects left side of your body. Head impacts neck. Neck impacts back. Back impacts knees and feet, right? So everything's linked, guys. So if you're service-connected for other issues and you believe that things have developed, caused or made worse by another service-connected disability in your body, um, that's what's considered secondary service connection. Okay, there's a great video on YouTube, by the way, which was put out by Leah, 
fellow service disabled vet, 82nd Airborne member um, who operates on our med team to do independent medical opinions and DBQs. She talks about secondary service connection. I highly recommend checking out that video. Um, Blaz wrote, Army drug and alcohol prevention. I think I was suffering from depression and started drinking a lot. Yes. So, guys, I, I get it. I've lived this nightmare. Okay. Thank God I quit drinking alcohol. I quit taking uh, benzodiaphrines. Uh, or I think I got that right. The, the drugs that help you. Clonopin, things for anxiety, fast-acting stuff. Um, alcohol, drug abuse, and other issues. Very common side effects of mental health conditions. I know it, guys, because I've lived it. I've lived it, okay? Veterans will do anything to escape or to return, right? Sometimes sometimes you, you maybe you're gambling because you want that high again, okay? But the alcohol and the drugs, very commonly, guys, veterans turn to those things just to try to drown out the pain, to try to escape. Um, what you need to be careful of, though, is making sure the VA doesn't state that your PTSD or your depression or your anxiety is because of your drinking, right? Or because of your drug abuse. You need to flip it. Make sure you're very clear in your personal statements that no, the reason I'm drinking all the time and became an alcoholic and a drug addict was because of the severity of my PTSD symptoms, okay? Um, by the way, guys, if anybody's struggling with drug addiction, alcohol addiction, addiction, gambling, sex, any of those things, please go get help. Please go get help. Uh, I promise you guys, none of those things are going to help you. It's only going to make it worse, okay? Spencer, what response should we give <coughs> to a CNP examiner, <coughs> excuse me, if they won't accept buddy letters or existing PTSD DBQ, should we just stay quiet or insist they look? Um, I never recommend forcing anything upon a CNP examiner, Spencer. Um, Some of our CNP examiners out there just suck, all right? Um, I've got a whole bunch of videos on here about bad CNP exams, how to call 1-800-827-1000, challenge the doctor's notes. Um, it's, It's ridiculous. It makes me so mad uh, when I hear situations like this, right, where a CNP examiner deliberately is out to screw a veteran, okay, or call them a, a malingerer, which is ridiculous, okay? Um, but as far as the response, I, I think you do your best, right? If you know the CNP examiner is pitted against you, they're not on your side, they're being combated, they didn't conduct an adequate exam, they're not training provincial, they were late, whatever the situation is, if if they're not going to take the time to have gone through your C file, your VA claims file, they're not going to consider buddy letters. They're not going to look at your private uh, medical professional's DBQ. Um, I think you just leave it alone, right? I think you just stay quiet. Um, don't be combative. Uh, that's not going to help anybody, okay? Just make sure you document the who, what, when, where, why, how, Spencer, and be prepared to write a memorandum for record, hot washing the exam, because if you need to challenge it, um, you're going to want to make sure you got facts, okay? And by the way, we've seen that happen very often. It's just it, these CMP examiners, guys, garbage. What's up, Stephen? Hey, Blaz, no worries, man. Happy to share that with you guys. Um, okay, 
Awesome. That was fun, guys. Thank you all for joining me live. By the way, if you need more medical evidence to help you win Service Connect and get the rating you deserve, okay, you can join us at vaclaimsinsiderelite.com. Okay, it's a free three-step intake, guys. Uh, we'll help you get DBQs and Nexus letters. You're going to get complete access to the Elite Experience Portal, which is a digital portal for you to follow so that you can either do your own claim for free, okay, or you can uh, work with an agent. If you want to work with a VSO to help you file a claim, uh, you can certainly do that, or an accredited agent or an attorney, okay? All right, guys. Love you. Brian Reese here, the VA Claims Insider, Air Force Service Disabled Veteran. I'm out from Austin, Texas. Uh, feel free to write any comments below here, and we'll try to answer those after the fact. Uh, today, what did we talk about? We talked about how to win your VA claim with lay evidence, okay? After the fact, evidence, it must be competent, and it must be credible, okay? All right, guys. We'll talk to you soon. See ya.